Welcome to Essential Awakening Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the new series, Black Women's Stories Matter. My name is Pia Antico, Relationships Reset Mentor and founder of Essential Awakening Mentoring. The inspiration and purpose of this pod series is to address the global relationship problem of fear-based racism. One of the best ways to combat fear-based hate is to provide opportunities for understanding. So I have invited a bunch of fabulous black women from around the world to share their stories of trials, triumphs, and everything in between. Today I have with me Aja Vanchika, intuitive mindset coach who helps women, visionary coaches, and creative online entrepreneurs burn their should-do way of being and tap into their free spirit energy so they can effortlessly manifest their soul-led life and business. Welcome, Aja. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. Oh my goodness, Pia. I love what it is that you're doing. I absolutely love this series. I love that you are allowing Black voices to be heard and that you've stepped up. You've answered the call to be an ally to Black women and uh, I'm very, very excited about what you're doing and I thank you very much. Thank you. No, thank thank you, and I, I, I just I feel privileged and honoured in any small way to be of any assistance to anyone uh, that that I can, but particularly in this issue because, well, really there's no place in this world for 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 any hate, and unfortunately a lot of hate is based on ignorance and fear. So hopefully, in some small way, this series can help show people in the world out there how fabulous black communities are but in particularly black women who have even less of a chance of getting their voice out there so tell us about you please well thank you thank you well i am aja vansika i am the ceo of a company called withloveaja.com and i'll tell you that i had so big of a problem naming my company because I am all over the place. Like I love so many different things and you know how they you have these multipreneurs out there and they're creatives and they want to do everything, everything. Well, I'm one of those kind of people. So it's like, well, even getting down to, well, what do I name myself? What do I call my company? So I just decided to call it With Love Aja because then I could just, I feel like I can do whatever I want to do <laughs> and it'll fall up under the umbrella of that. And so what I'm currently doing is I am a coach trainer. I teach coaches how to effortlessly attract and confidently coach their soulmate clients from a space of ease and flow and alignment. Something that I have, skills that I've learned and I've honed over the years, and I'm really, really excited to be able to teach coaches how to come from where they are right now in their their minds and kind of reach down into their soul and help their clients to get to the root of the problem in a much easier and light way than what it is that we're traditionally taught to help our clients get to from where they are now to where they want to be. God, that sounds fabulous. And it sounds like I probably, well, this is why we're we're connected (laughs) because I I need that too. Um, So thank you. Um, Well, I guess the question that pops to mind for me is what led you to that and what what experiences in your life i guess from childhood from your your, your earlier life to, to now what experiences have you had that have sort of gotten you to seeing the need to lead life from your soul as opposed to 
thinking and head and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, so many experiences. Well, I have the type of parents who allow me to be my weird self. And even though they had their rules in there as to like my parents, they were all about what your appearance was. You had to look decent, of course. You had to be articulate in your speech. And my mother, she was a Baptist um, Christian. My father did not go to church. And uh, her kids, our, her, her children, me and my sister, we went to Catholic school. So we were already very confused religiously, like we were <laughs> Baptist church, you know? And then my father was kind of like a very natural practices, like Rasta type of deal, but he wasn't a Rastafarian, but that was kind of his deal, which is natural type. And then we were in Catholic school. So we were very, very confused very early on about what the rules were of what God said we were supposed to be doing. But along with that, of course, that's where I teach about uh, the whole burning the, the list of should do's because that was instilled in me at a very early age about the things that we should do, how it is we're supposed to be in public, how it is we're supposed to talk to people. But all in that wrapped together, my parents really did allow me to be my weird self and explore lots of different things. But within the confines of their very, very constricted rules. So that's why I believe that what I'm at now with helping women to identify where they're at and, and most of the time it's really rules based because we think we're supposed to do this and that to be happy. We're told what it is that we're supposed to do to be successful, what it looks like and all that good stuff. And we have not been able to really connect with our innate knowing to know exactly what it is that for us individually, what, what happiness and success looks like. You know what I mean? Yes. And so that's why I'm in a very, very feeling space because what I truly believe on everything is that our feelings they guide our actions in everything that we do i love to talk about how if you look at a movie you can see exactly everything that's going on from the thoughts feelings action perspective you can see whatever yeah you know what i mean exactly right just whatever it is you can follow it along this person something happened a situation happened and then this person thought this and then from those thoughts they start feeling a certain kind of way and then from those feelings they took the actions that became that we got the results right yeah so we can follow that along in movies and all that but we have a hard time looking at our own lives in that respect but that's exactly the same thing that happens so i like to teach women to coach from that perspective of getting down into the, the very soul-based grooves of how the person is feeling instead of what happened here what's going on there how do you feel let's talk about how you feel let's talk about how you want to feel and how you can get there it's like just it skips all of the other stuff and gets right down to the core i love it oh totally i love it and and we we do come from um, um, a very similar uh perspective it's it's um yeah, the, and the feeling being uh, being as you said, soul led as opposed to thought created, because it's too, that for me that's the the, the distinction. A lot of people are saying, "Yeah, but I am doing what I'm feeling," but the feeling is ego created, and it's not it's not the wisdom soul. Uh, so it's like emo thought created emotions as opposed to that that instinct, that gut feeling, that 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 sense in in your in your core in your heart when you're in the present moment and you're quiet and you hear God's guided wisdom in your heart yes, that, that yes, instinct yes. and that's it's I, as women like we are very feeling space and where yes. did we 
get out of being that is obviously through patriarchy and all of that good stuff that we have really unlearned how to use our feelings to actually help us to achieve our goals. I mean, I started in all of this with the whole, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, the, the Red Tents. The Red Tent, right. And so I actually used to host sister circles. I'm just, I used to erect a tent in the middle of my living room oh, and have we sit <laughs> in there and there was all kinds of people there were black people white people chinese people jews pagans muslim i'm muslim you know so there was all of us that came together we would talk about a particular subject whatever it was then we would all go around and have our share and be oh my gosh it was beautiful it was brilliant because we got a chance to hear the different perspectives as to what different people thought and what was happening in their lives and how they came up with their their thoughts and their answers and everything kind of like what you're doing here which is so beautiful because we need this again yeah. I, I i know you're doing this because what you do you're doing it but i want to just say thank you again it's it's we need this let me tell you i was on facebook the other day and i saw a post that said something about um white allies standing next to not just standing next to the uh, the brothers and the sisters and the kids but standing in front of because mm. there's lots of things that white people can do that we as white people cannot do and so this is one way that you are stepping up and i love 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 this to give black voices a a chance to be heard but to also just be an ally and be able to step in front of us to shield us from the things that we aren't able to protect ourselves from so Thank you. <laughs> no, no, that's really sweet. I mean, I, I, I mean, talking on that, um, not about me personally, but about the the idea uh, that I mean, this is a lovely segue into creating some understanding. I know I I, I have um, a sense from other um, individuals like myself who um, want to be of help, but you're kind of falling into the shoulds, should I do this, should I do that, how do I, I mean, you, you, you're almost stepping, you don't want to cause offence, you don't want to take over because on the other right. hand, you don't want to be a voice that's uh, paternalistic and taking over and the finding right. that fine balance between standing and or leading a little bit or, or protecting from front, but then just sort of making it about you doing it and not getting out of the way. Are there other ways that um, that you might suggest to to uh, people like myself, um, allies in the community, that would like to be of help in a practical way, but um, in in a way that is not treading on toes or presumptive in any way? Is there any you suggestions know, for that? Oh, most definitely. Um, I have a friend. She's a really good friend, and we're uh, business partners in a particular program that we're doing together. And uh, she's white and she came to me and she's just like, you know, I really just don't know what to say. And I know that there are a lot of white women out there who just don't know. And so, of course, there's silence that goes on because you don't want to say something wrong. You don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what do we do? And I'm actually not a person to be able to speak on that, but I do know that there are people who are actually doing the work to help white women do their work. And, and so the two people that I always, always, always recommend, because these are two people that I know personally, um, uh, that I've spoken to personally, and I know how they operate, and that is 
Layla Saad, and she is on Instagram, Layla Saad, um, and then uh, Catrice M. Jackson, she's on Facebook. Right. So those are two people that I always tell everyone, please, if you don't know what to say, that's fine. That is perfectly okay. I, I think that we are more understanding um, than uh, white women think that we are, that you all don't know what to say. But as long as you're taking the opportunity to get help and to become allies so that you do know what to say, then I just, I think it's a beautiful thing. And that's what I told my friend Kim. It's like, here's some people right here. Go talk to them so they can help you begin the process of doing your work. Like, I'm not, that's not my role. That's not my my lane. So I tell everybody to go to these people yeah. because they really are doing the work. Like, this is what they do. Like, this is their life's work yeah. of helping white women to become allies. And it's just a beautiful thing, especially when you want to. Yeah. And you go up to do the work. And there's a lot there. Yeah, there's so much there for white women to see what, when it comes to their role and how white supremacy has come about and they don't even realize what it is. And like me growing up, honestly, my parents didn't teach me about racism. They didn't teach me about um, being having black pride and all that. So that's not something that I was actually able to pass through to my kids because it's not okay. something that I knew about. My parents were all about assimilating. I mean, they really were going to white Catholics know yeah. they were about the rules of life in the society is you get a good education you go to college you get a job you get married you have kids you you know you have the house you have the job you know all that is what it is they were taught and that they were their parents were trying to give them the opportunity to have and so that's what they were teaching my sister and I is not about black power and standing up for your rights as a black person I didn't even know anything about that and I was so embarrassed to actually say that to black people that they were like light years ahead of me in the whole understanding of what their culture was because I didn't have any of that growing up and I didn't learn any of that here I am I'm 47 I didn't learn any of that until I was in my late 30s so my kids are grown I mean you know my kids my, my oldest one is uh, 28 and then I have a 26 year old and then I have a 13 year old so now my 13 year old is catching all the brunt of everything because like <laughs> no, no so it's just like yeah. you know we were last night before I went to bed it was Juneteenth yesterday yes. and I said to him and I was just like happy Juneteenth you know I'm like just it, and so he was like yeah happy Juneteenth so it's like yeah. that's not something that my older kids knew about you know what I mean because I didn't yeah. have that knowledge and with everything that's going on in the world right now, like um, they didn't start really learning about it until I did. So they're versed, you know, in it now. They're not well versed, but they are as much as I'm getting versed in it. So are they. And so it's a different it's a different conversations that we're having now, especially yeah. since I'm three boys and well, two grown men and one child yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're leaving out the door, you know, it's just like really it's a it touches my heart a lot these days because it's like you never know if they're gonna come back alive, you know, and that's huge for me and, and yeah. just being able to to just just live my life and, and not be stressed out about are my kids gonna be coming home today. Let yeah. me tell you this story real quick. Please. In my neighborhood, um, there was a shooting, someone got killed in my neighborhood. And the people were all over, and my kids were gone to work, and I immediately called my kids and said, where are you? At the time, this was years ago, and they were on the bus, they didn't have cars, and so they would catch the bus home, you know, to and from work, and, and so I said, where are you? I'm going to pick you up. The reason why is because I didn't want them walking through the neighborhood with these cops out. 
Yeah. You know, they no, were yeah, but, I mean, yeah, well, you're thinking shooter. It's not the shooter, not necessarily the shooter you're worried about. It's the, it's the exactly. cops on the scene. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, yeah, we I wouldn't think, you know, yeah, yeah. middle class <laughs> white people wouldn't kind of think, think that. Exactly, exactly. Us in the suburbs, this wouldn't be an issue. I was so scared that they would be mistaken for someone, you know, just two, just a black kid walking down the street. I was so scared that I had to go pick them up from the train yeah. station. And um, it was, it was, that was like one, a moment that I really, really remember. And it just, I don't think I'll ever forget that mm. because I never experienced that in my life earlier, you know. Yeah, okay. With, I just didn't. I've never really, I'm sure there were subtle bits of racism that I, you know, that I could talk about and all that kind of stuff, but not like this, where I was actually fearful of my life or my the, the lives of my kids until that day happened. And I really realized what could happen. Like, I was just like oblivious. So, but now with everything going on, it's like, it's, it's impossible to, to not understand that it could happen to you in your yes. family. Oh yes. yeah, um, but yeah, I just wanted to share that. That was just no, that was really hard. Thank you so much. Absolutely. That. And I mean, just ever so subtly, can I can I ask? It, do you feel it was a socioeconomic like because we we have with it, with all complex issues, is that intersectionality of of gender, of color, of, of socioeconomic? Do you feel that what shielded you maybe from that? Um, like full-on experience right. of oppression um, due to a socioeconomic uh, situation? I would say sort of. I mean, my, my, my parents, we were like middle class. And so hey, my, yeah. uh, both my parents had jobs. We They had cars. We, we owned a home, you know. Um, it was, at the time, it was a decent neighborhood. It was yeah. not a prominent neighborhood, but it was a decent one. Yeah. And so my, ki- my parents obviously could afford for us to go to Catholic school. So um, I think that a lot of it, that, that it did kind of not, I would say shield as, as in, in regards to almost make me oblivious. I mean, yeah. no, did I have to go, was I, was I on the side of the tracks where people were, were doing all of the, the getting in the troubles and all that kind of stuff? I wasn't. I wasn't, I didn't run with that crowd and I know where they were, of course I did, you know, but I think that I would have to say a little bit, yes, that our social economic status did kind of keep me away from it, but, um, but then again, also too, my neighborhood was an African-American neighborhood, it was a black neighborhood, so I had, I went out to go to school, so, um, so it was, I, I would have to say yes, but also too, the fact that my parents were just not interested in us having a a life that was of black power kind of yeah you know lifestyle yeah i didn't know anything about the black panthers i didn't know anything about any of that you know i didn't know and they did not teach us that yeah so um so it was just all about assimilating so i would have to say kind of yes yeah i would i would assume that if we were not middle class and and that we lived in a different area that I would probably have access to a different kind of lifestyle. Yeah, I yeah. I, and I ask that coming from, um, I, I come from a, a migrant background myself, um, sort of second generation, <clears throat> and I know that my dad's uh, Italian background, he he very much also had that um, idea of um, assimilate, 
Mm-hmm. So he married a, an ang, you know, Anglo-Aussie Irish background. My mum, that's her background, and very much had that idea of. Um, that's yeah, I mean, you can't knock the Italian food out of an Italian, but he did his very best to, yeah, make uh, set us up in a in an Anglo kind of um, yeah. way. Yeah, and he said, you know, uh, middle class sort of kind of yeah and and same I went to a Catholic school as well so yeah the same kind of um, uh, notion that you and then you come into as an adult you come into looking at your roots and and uh, trying to find your place in them without having the the lingo so to speak you know I mean I'm learning Italian as a foreign language this is so annoying because you know (laughs) <laughs> I didn't get the whole, I didn't grow up bilingual, which, you know, <laughs> So, well, our three fabulous facts or interesting facts about your childhood, about your heritage, about your family, in, in places that have sort of led to who you are now, what would they be if you could pull them out of the air? Let me see, I've got so many, where should I start? Well, oh, anywhere. Um... Pick one. <laughs> what does your soul say? My soul says to tell you all and, and, and everyone yeah. here that I've always been a a very bubbly, bubbly person. Like, you know, just like I can, like my, my one friend now, she says, oh, Aja, you can talk to rocks, you know, because I can talk to anybody. But I'm actually an extreme introvert. Like, I, I'm an introvert. Nobody would ever believe <laughs> 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 a call with, um, my um i have a group program going on and i was talking to them and and telling them that oh, i'm an introvert and they're like no you're not oh, my God. <laughs> i'm a big introvert um so that's a uh, fun fact number one is that i've got this really cool bubbly personality but i'm straight up introvert like really <laughs> so that's number one number two is i have an extreme love of accents which has led me in, uh, so this will be good for, maybe I need your services as a in your relationshipness. Yes. Is like, that's led me to many marriages, many, many marriages with foreigners because I'm not that good. <laughs> I hate being there, done that. <laughs> so that's another one. Um, the last thing that I, I'd love for people to, fun fact to know about me is that I am a lover of all things feel good. Really, whatever it is that feels good to me, I'm going to do it. And it's taken me a long, long time in my life to get to the point to be confident enough to say no to this and that and say, oh, hell yes, to this, that, and the other. And I encourage everyone to work on getting to that point because you will live a very beautiful life when you do. So that's my, my three fun facts. Oh, I love that. And actually, the next thing, the thing that feels good, um, because obviously we all want to kind of live like that. Do you find that some of the things that are, and we, when we say feel good, we're meaning soul feel good, not necessarily, um, you know, desire may feel good, which may or may not be helpful. Um, but do you feel that, that sometimes uh, you, you experience a little bit of, um, you know, fear, a little bit of, oh my God, before taking a leap and doing something. And if that, that, that your soul tells you, yes, go do this. And how do you separate that warning sign from 
no, don't do it, stop, go back, to it being, you know, just that out of your comfort zone, but still in the right direction kind of fear. Do you want to talk on that for a little bit? I love this question because this is exactly what I teach. So this is like amazing. <laughs> so the first thing that I do is always get clear on your soul-inspired goals. Your soul-inspired goals is just your goals, but explained and described in a feeling space way. So instead of going for a thing, like you want a house or you want a car or you want that new husband or, you know, relationship, it really is based on the feelings that you get from those things. Yeah. <laughs> the feelings yeah. that you get from those things. Because the reason why you want those things is because of how they're going to make you feel. So you get clear on how it is that you really, really want to feel. That becomes your soul-inspired goal. Yeah. Then after you're clear on that, then the next thing you do is you're going to tap into your free flow energy. Your free flow energy is just a fancy term that I made up that means come into alignment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're going to come into alignment. But the way that you're going to come into alignment is by tapping into the, the higher, your higher level self, who it is that you really want to be your dream person. And if you are feeling the feelings of being that person and doing the things that they are doing, you know, then you are going to make decisions from that space and not from the space that you are now, because the space that you are now is too fear-based, right? But yeah. if you tap into a person and the, the, the next level person, because truly that's all we all desire is just to be our best version of ourselves. That's it. Whenever we're coaching, whenever we're talking to someone, that's all we all want is to feel good and be our next best level, higher self, the best version of ourselves that we can be. So it's really, really easy to understand that, especially as coaches, and just tap into your higher self. What is it? You want to be confident. You know, I go through a process called writing your reality or um, written visualization before I do anything. I grab my notebook and I just write. I am unstoppable. I'm confident. I'm fearless. I'm a rock star. Money comes to me with ease. Clients come to me with ease. And I just keep jotting it. Keep, keep journaling it until that is something that is just not just the thought, but it becomes a belief after you keep on doing it because your mind doesn't know the difference as to what's true and what's not. You get to tell it what's true and what's not. So that's what I do is, is that keeps me from being able to let the fear run the show. Yeah. I love to be able to tap into my next level higher self and let that run the show instead of the fear. The fear is going to always be there. As long as we are humans, we're going to do two things. We're going to be scared and we're going to desire. So, you know, those two things, you know, we're going to always want something and we're going to always be fearful of something. So that's just something we learn to maneuver. And then the third thing I do is what I call the process. And that is the whole thoughts create your feelings and the feelings create your actions and understanding what is going on with my feelings when I'm feeling scared and knowing that if I can look at the thoughts that I'm having about the situation and choose to have a different thought, then it's going to create a different feeling. Those feelings are going to create a different action. So it's, it's a process of, of those three things that I do and, and I've honed those skills for myself. That's exactly what I teach. And it's not something that's ever going to happen overnight. I just don't want people to think, oh, all i got to do is snap my fingers and write this stuff down and then the thoughts into actions and then it's done. No, it's a process that you have to decide every day. You have to wake up every day and make the choice that you're going to do these things and you're going to up-level and you're going to be your next best self now and not wait to be that person because that's never going to happen, right? Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. you got to be that person now. And so that's what I do, bring the fear along, but make the decisions based off of the dream person that I really want to be. 
you get it? I get it and I love it and that's why you that's why I love you and I just think you're fabulous and oh I'm just I feel blessed that I, I I've met you in this in this coaching sphere I've been I, I just count this time of my life incredibly uh, lucky and fortunate because I get to meet really amazing women like yourself who are just as you said bubbly introverts I totally get it do you, do you find yourself yes you can put the bubbly out there but that you need a lot of quiet time in order to uh put this on i do i like spending time by myself i mean like totally i mean it's not so great me love spending time by myself with being in a relationship that's something i've had to train my boyfriend on it's just like look dude i gotta have time by myself you know so and i have this beautiful oasis of the patio and in this space here is a sun yeah. room and there's windows all around and there's skylights and I love being in the space and sipping having my tea on my patio it's just I love my alone time like I love it I love yeah. Virgo so that's what we Virgos do like we love our alone time <laughs> oh, look, so. completely completely I'm 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 I've done two marriages uh and happily single and in my own place and honestly really I'm not sure that I really can. I mean, like, um, I, 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 I like guys, but um, at this point, I'm loving my solitude so much. It's going, yes. I have to mm -hmm. sort of be elsewhere. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or very, ho hopefully, like, your, your partner is capable right. of giving space, because I'm going to need a lot of it. <laughs> yes. That's what I told my boyfriend. It's just like, you know, you've got your house, I've got mine, and yeah. I don't want to cohabitate. <laughs> no, so, no. Yeah, I really am loving this time in my life and I think that's important for people to realize is that it, it's not about it's not about following the rules of what society is telling you that you have to do but you exactly. have to really be honest with yourself and be happy with what it is that you're actually wanting. So and that was something I really had to get over especially being Muslim. We're supposed to be married. It's half of our deen, right? <laughs> totally hearing you on that one. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you're kind of like, well, I'm 48 and I've done it twice. And I'm not sure that I want that right. in exactly. that again. I, I, I like the idea, as you said, that you've got your place and they've got theirs and you have a companion when you feel it. But um, right. yes, cohabitate. I, I'm not sure that I'd be able to do that again, to be quite no, honest. I, 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 no, no. I cohabitate with my children right now, and well, I look, I, I'm not. My daughter's now 23 and married, so I'm not even cohabitating with hers. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, um, but you know, uh, God knows. I guess well, you, this is the being in the present moment and going with what's in front of you, as opposed to the story in your head about the fears of what you think that you can or cannot handle. Exactly. Saying that loudly to myself. Oh, it is. And I mean, we're in the present moment. I was in the present moment a second ago saying, when I when it was the present moment and yeah. saying that kind of self-limiting, I don't think I could handle. 
Well, that's ego thinking. That's limit. That's self-limiting ego yes, thinking. It, it, and, and and I wasn't in the present. And I wasn't actually in the present moment having that fear-based thinking. It was taking me out of just being. Yeah, and it's really true. hard to sort of get your head around. But it's it's, it's every hard. second of being really, and not about. Yeah this story pointing for those who are listening <laughs> pointing to my head <laughs> i've got to get used to stop doing visual cues on podcasts it doesn't work when we talk about that limiting beliefs it also allows us to examine i think that we have this huge issue with negative feelings and negative words and even limiting beliefs but all they do is give us the opportunity to reevaluate if what we're thinking is going to help us reach our goals or if the actions that we're taking are actually going to help us reach our goals that's all they really do these limiting yeah. beliefs that just allow you to reevaluate is this what i want you know is you know just really just allow you to reevaluate and i love that in the present moment you can be like you know what that's not what i want you know i'm okay with not cohabitating maybe not even get married again i'm not sure but right now i'm good yeah, this is beautiful. yeah, but and and checking that well, if you are having a, a a thought that it's just a thought, let it go, it will pass. Uh, uh -huh. It has no, uh, in in um, it has no importance in and of itself um, because no thoughts do they come they go, and it's just I yeah you, you know you just need um, it's just simply not being caught up in the story uh, yeah. that you're telling yourself. Because who knows? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could, as he does, he drops things in front of us. And I, who knows? I could step out today in the street and he decides that he, falling out of the sky on top of me is who he deems to be the perfect partner for me. I, I, I don't know. It's, anything's possible. That is so true. <laughs> not uh, whether I'm looking or not. And it's generally when we're not looking, things like this happen. Yeah. So go figure. Okay. Um, now, um, what it may be thinking, thinking about all of that we've, we've been talking about uh, so far, what has been one particular challenge in your life that you have overcome that has got you where you're thinking the way that you do? Is there, is there anything that sort of led oh, to yes. this? Yes. Um, as I've mentioned, I'm Muslim and I've been, I'm a convert, uh, a convert obviously since I have a Baptist mother and went to Catholic school, but um, so I've been uh, Muslim for about 15 years and when I first became Muslim, I was a very, very well versed in the, the Quran and the surahs and I knew all the hadiths and what, what was I was supposed to do, I actually covered from head to toe. I wore, I wore the niqab over my face and everything and no one made me do that but that was something that i did on my own and i really wanted to do that um but as i grew into uh my 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 years then i started to feel like i wanted to have a different relationship within islam with my higher power the higher power of my understanding and so what that led me to was looking at a lot of like old world type of um, understandings like when you know shamanism and where the strengths and powers of women really came from which is embedded in witchcraft and all that kind of stuff which we get the wrong idea about what a witch really is and really learning about what that really means and, and just the, the power of words and all that kind of stuff and really bringing that into 
who I am as a person yeah. and the, and how I practice Islam. So I'm not a traditionally practicing Muslim at this yeah. point in my life. And that was really, really, really hard, as you can imagine, yes. being around Muslims <laughs> and who are telling you that, no, you can't do this, and yes, you can do that, and this is what, you know, and all of that. It was, that was a huge challenge for me. Even me, I stopped wearing my, my um, hijab, um, and I still do wear my hijab when I feel like it. That was a huge challenge of being yeah. able to say, this is who I am as a Muslim. You don't get to tell me what a Muslim is and is and is not. This is my relationship with my Lord. So um, that in itself was a big challenge in getting me to where I am now and just being confident enough to even come on a podcast and say I'm Muslim and these are the things that I do as a Muslim. These are the things that I believe and that is just, I really, I would not have done this about five years ago. I mean, it's, it's just been a huge road to get to where I am now. And, and I'm so, you know, they always say hindsight is 2020 and you don't know what you don't know, right? And yeah. so that's what I really feel like that the places that I'm at right now is that if I, ha I had to go through all that to get here. I mean, I absolutely had to go through all that I went through to get here of all the information that I learned, all the people that I talked to that were not happy with the things that I was doing and, yeah. and then telling explaining to me, you know, very vividly, you know, what I was doing <laughs> if I didn't do this, that, yeah. 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 So, and, and really finding my way into who it is that I am and who I want to be and knowing that my Lord is okay with me being me and showing up as who I truly am. It just, that has been one of my biggest challenges in telling you here. It's been like, oh my gosh, it's been a big challenge. Wow. No, I, I, I am hearing you on that because again, this is a podcast you're not going to be seeing as people, but uh, I... Yes, I just in the last year. So I've been Muslim now, convert, like you said, convert nine years now. And last year I took off a job and I, I too went through that. So my early, yeah, totally same, very similar idea. You get on, you start in as a Muslim, you really like, you know, you're taking all the rules and the structures and the form to heart. Um, and there's an external pressure to do so. Yeah. And then it's like you start then going, hang on, no, lo loving God is not about, I mean, there's form and structure, sort of, it's finding that, it's taking a responsibility for your own faith connection with God and not just following what everyone else is saying you have to do. And, and, and here's the thing. Islam yeah. is beautiful. The Quran is, in fact, a feminist statement, as is our prophet's uh, um, uh, way he behaved and, and all the rest uh -huh. of it. But unfortunately, Muslims do not practice. So the different ethnic communities of Islam do not practice. They practice patriarchy. And a patriarch... They practice their, 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 their Yeah. They practice their culture. Yeah. And so, and which happens to be its own version of patriarchy, and then they interpret Islam through that. And so, unfortunately, a whole lot of crap that's said on to, to, to Muslim women, and that are internalized by a lot of born Muslim women who then put it on us as converts to. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. No. I would not have traded what I've learned being a Muslim for anything. Like, the strictness placed on myself and my kids at the time, like I believe that whatever it was that went on in our lives, like we needed it. 
It was something that we really, really needed. But as you grow, which you're supposed to grow, right? And you're supposed to evolve. And so things change in your life. And it's just as simple as that, is that those things you learned what you needed to learn and now you're learning something different. So you don't need that anymore. Maybe you need something else because you're in a different place so you're needing something else. And it's just, it's to me, it's just an, an evolution. Not that you have to leave Islam or anything no. like that, but you practice it in a way that is of your soul and connects you to the, your higher power. And I think that it's, I think it's just really beautiful that now, now I understand that, you know, that I don't have to allow myself to follow what somebody else says because that's what they understand. That's what they believe. That's good for them. We all have our own reality. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, and I think, interestingly, for me, one of the hardest ones to sort of let go of, and I still sometimes fall into um, that little sort of fear voice in the back of my head, uh, that sort of got internalized well are you being disobedient to god and yes. is god pissed off with you like kind yeah, of thing because yeah. you're not following the rules in adverted rules is what i'm doing right now again <laughs> visual cues um, <laughs> so yeah and that that's been and i guess that's an individual journey and through i mean how did you how did you um, sort of come to be okay with that? How did you, was that an issue for you? Did you manage to let it go? Yeah, it was a huge issue. First, I moved from St. Louis where um, there's a big Nakabi community there. And I moved to Georgia where there is a lot of Nation of Islam here okay. and a lot yeah. of uh, roots of Nation of Islam here. So there's a lot of Muslims that are here who's parents, you know, maybe they're our age, but their parents used to be Nation of Islam and then they converted to Sunni Muslims, to be Sunni Muslims. And so when I first went to the masjid, like the black masjid, you know, (laughs) not the Bengali masjid or the Arab masjid, but the black masjid, you know, and the, I had on, I remember I had on a, um, the outer garment, I had on my hijab and it's traditional Arab way and so a black man asked me why was I dressed that way oh wow this is at the masjid and he's like why are you dressed that way he wasn't being rude or anything yeah yeah but just yeah yeah and I was just like this is the way you know we Muslims dress and so I'm looking around at all these black people they're not dressed this way because they are black Americans and they are dressed as black Americans who are Muslim yeah. You know, the, yeah. the outfit that I had on, the clothing that I had on was Arab clothing. You know, that's yeah. how they dressed in Arab yeah. countries. Yeah. But because I came into Islam under the, I guess, heavily Arab influenced yes. type of um, area, then that's what I understood to wear. So when I started to see that there are different options, you yeah. know, then I started to really understand that it really is a lot of culture being practiced in Islam. and. And some of it's not wrong. Some, a lot of it is, but some yeah. of it's not wrong. How I wear my hijab cannot be wrong. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just like yeah, yeah. places you see that people wearing their the hijab in different ways, right? Absolutely. So it's like, and so I, I started to really play around with that idea of wearing it in different ways and things like yeah. that. And at the time, I was married, and um, I remember when I first took it off, I wore, I walked from my house to the mailbox, which is at the end yeah, of, yeah. The, you know, of the street. 
And I come back in and my husband was just like, you walked out the house with your hijab. That's when I realized, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I went to the mailbox. <laughs> exactly. You know? yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I went to the mailbox. And, and so he, he, you know, we had a big discussion about it. And soon after that, I stopped wearing it every day. Like I would go to the mailbox with my, without my hijab yeah. more often. And yeah. I would yeah. do other things around my house outside without my hijab. And, and that's kind of how it started. Um, I know, I remember feeling naked without it. I remember feeling mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I need to cover. You know, I remember it was not a comfortable thing. But also remember when I first started wearing it, it was not a comfortable thing. So yeah. then as I was trying to get used to like feeling my way through not wearing it, it was very uncomfortable. And finally, I, I took the leap to just like go out further to the store without my hijab and then I just started to get more comfortable you know the more you do something then the more comfortable yeah 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 you become and so that's what I did and now I still wear my hijab when I feel like it I still just sometimes you'll see me on my Facebook lives and I'll have on my hijab and sometimes I won't it's just a matter of whatever I feel like it not what somebody else is telling me I have to do but this is a conversation between me and my lord that that I decide I'm gonna have my hijab off I'm gonna have it on so. Absolutely, and I love that. I, I, I do, absolutely. And I, I think, because it's been calling me a little bit lately as well, but I, I guess their story in my head has been, but it's like confusing to people. But does that really matter? Yeah. Probably not. Very confusing to people. It is very. You're wearing it, you're not wearing it. What are you doing? Yeah, and I'm going, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And, you know, my family members say that, oh, she's wearing her job again. You know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, sometimes, I, you know, it's just like, but that's, People are going to talk, and, and one thing that I realize, and I always tell myself this, is that those people who are talking, they're living their lives the way they want to live it. So I'm going to yeah. live my life. The you way do it I exactly. Want. Yeah. You know, yeah. so they're doing what they want to do. Why can't I do what I want to do? Exactly. So. No, I I love that, and and I'm just just such a pertinent. Uh, you know, experience uh, personally for me to hear you say that because yeah, I'm, I'm a few steps behind uh, on the path of conversion, and but I'm making that change myself. So thank you. Oh my gosh! I mean, uh, Alhamdulillah for for the conversation being led to that because I need, I needed to hear that, and I'm sure and that there's a whole bunch of sisters out there who's needed to hear this. Yes, exactly. But sometimes I do. I'll see a Muslim woman out, and the one thing that I do miss when I don't wear my hijab is the sisterhood that we have when we when we see another Muslim sister, you know, another Muslima, and it's just like, ah, oh, so and so it's like, we know each other, and that's a bit, it's a comfort, and of course it says, you know, in the Quran that we should be known as believers, but to be known as a believer is, is more than just clothing, right? It's your, it is, absolutely. It's your personality, your, your character, and all that, so it's not just to be known as a believer in the way that you look, so, so um, and that's something that I take to heart. Is and, and even when I do see my Muslim sisters out, and I say "Assalamu alaikum," and they say, "Oh, are you Muslim?" I'm like, "Oh, that hurts my feelings." But this is the choice that I made. Be out without you without a hijab on, but um, but it's it's choice. You know, yeah. I don't think it's right or wrong. You wear it or you don't wear it. It's not a right or wrong. It's really only about what's right for you. What's so. and 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 your relationship with Allah? No, I I completely believe it, and I and I I would say that um. The notion of the, uh, the you know the black abaya and the niqab and that um it's not all arab nations in fact a lot of um arab com- communities you know, do not wear that they have their own um like pakistanis and that they have their own 
um, cultural clothing. Right. It seems to me that the only two countries that um, well, the ones that you know, Iran obviously had its um, its its laws on covering, uh, like legalities on it, and and Saudi Arabia. Now, unfortunately, the Saudi regime has infiltrated a lot of places with their doctrine of hardline doctrine, and so hence the influence of this. Exactly. But it's not actually culturally Arab at all. Oh. Even. They've got beautiful uh, when you and, and oh you know they've got beautiful clothing um, uh -huh. that the women would wear uh, that wasn't that you know so again it's like uh, you gotta know you gotta know the source of things. Um, yeah, that is true. So I guess before we wrap up, which we will be coming very soon to wrapping up, um, it, what's something that you're dying to do that you haven't yet done oh my gosh well business wise i'm dying to open up my own coaching school like uh you know, like a coaching academy where i can just have like this whole um system of um people getting trained to be coaches you know um that is something that i'm looking to do i'm starting to look into it not probably this year because i really am very happy where i'm at right now with the yeah. coaching programs that i have going on to help people become coaches. Um, but on a bigger scale, that's what I want to do. That's like kind of like in my mind, that's what I want to do. And on a personal note, I want to really, really, my, I cannot express to you how much I love my patio. And I just want to make it. <laughs> I want to, like, if I could, I would put my bed out there. Like, I really yeah. I just want to. I'm out there all the time. I coach from out there. Oh, um, lovely. Like this right here where we're, we're recording from, I'm actually on a computer, but um, my laptop, I take my laptop out there and work. <laughs> I do just everything. It's just like my favorite place in the world. So if, if either, two things, either I'm going to move yeah. to a tropical country so that I can spend my time outside, or yes. I want to fix my patio outside to be out there more often. I <laughs> not do what, both. You can do both. I can move. You can do both. Why limit? Thank you for that. Yes, I can. I can do both. Why choose? I know. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you. I, I, I live in an apartment, so there's no patio for me. But I, I'm up with the moving to uh, I'm, I'm my Morocco. I want to get back to Marrakesh. I was there last year. I'm in love with the place, um, and I, that's that's my bucket list. Oh, wow. I don't know when it's going to happen again, but um, it, it's, it's the bucket list. So, we, you know, hello, come on. I would love it. I would be thrilled. I just, I know, I know. And, and the opportunity, there's a very big um, uh, English-speaking English women's community in Marrakesh. They've got a lovely Facebook group, a couple of Facebook groups, but the, it's actually an ever-growing community uh, of very uh, spiritually minded, some Muslim, some not. <clears throat> uh, and, and it'd just be um, absolutely fabulous to be amongst them and doing, doing what I do there, but also doing some of the humanitarian stuff, working with um, in, in, in local context in supporting women. Right. This would be what I'd hope. To do, I'd have to learn Dadija so that the um, 
the local language there along with French, but uh, hence the yes, the love of accents. I, I cannot tell you, hearing someone speak English with their accent uh, is just, there is nothing more attractive to me. To be quite, I mean, except them yeah. speaking their own language. I love listening to foreign, watching foreign movies, listening to foreign um, music, uh, just because I love it too, as you said, love accents. Absolutely, I love accents. But, uh, I, I totally understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only mentioned the English thing because I did just learn how to teach English as a foreign language. I haven't put it into practice yet, but one of the things uh -huh. that I find myself... Well, it's hopefully going to be the thing that gets me over to Morocco, so... It's yes, definitely. That's a great teaching way English to over there. So that, that After quarantine, we'll see how quickly we can get ourselves over there. But um, <laughs> the big lesson from that is because a lot of uh, a lot of people who want to learn English as a, uh, for, as a second language, or or for them half the time, third, fourth, or fifth language. Right, exactly. Because they're geniuses, unlike um, English-only speaking countries like Australia, right. where we only speak the language. Um, right myself included i feel stupid anyway but they, they, they their big concern is not wanting to is wanting to sound and you know english or american like a british or american in their accent no no, no. Oh, keep no. beautiful accents please exactly it's not about yes. sounding it's about um it's about comprehension it's about being exactly. able to do this kind of thing and understand right. communicate but it's agree. not about sounding one way or the other and losing right yeah that beautiful sound that you have gosh no oh my God. yes yes I'm so happy that you explained that to them because no, we definitely don't want them to lose that. <laughs> no, gosh no. no, gosh no. I and 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 or have any notion that in, I mean English is just a functional language. It's it's but it's not about um, uh, taking some um, uh, cultural imperial idea that English is, is mm -hmm. the language because it isn't. Language, right? Exactly. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm quite um, yeah. I'm, I'm, for me, I'm very conscious of that in, in doing that. In, in, in thinking that way and imparting that because yeah one doesn't want to come from that cultural no, imperialism really point of view. Oh, oh. Totally agree. Yes. Um, well I guess that was too much about me in a podcast about yes. you. Sorry guys. But we love chatting and this is this is what happens. But um, I guess before we wrap up is there one last idea, statement, inspiration, thing that you want to leave the listeners with? Just one thing I'd like to say, this is a, a, a quote, I don't know who it's by, but it's something that's been my quote for a very, very long time. And it goes, it's not who you are that holds you back, it's who you think you're not. I'm gonna say mm -hmm. it again. It's not who you are that holds you back, who you think you're not. Oh, yes. oh it's that's the deep. It's the truth, yes. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. We think that the person who has the, the big beautiful life, who has the big vision goals and, and all of that, but we are, it's, it's, we are. The only thing that's holding us back is that we think that we're not. So we are who we say we are. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. No, we're, we're all spirit. We're spirit in flesh bodies 
and that spirit is unconditional love and it's expansive and everything and it's and I mean that's at the end that's that's what connects us regardless of you know Absolutely. ethnicity skin color location it, it at the end that's what we all are and we need to, to, to realize that and speak to each other from that you know absolutely yes I agree well thank you so much and I mean before we go is there any current work any promotion anything that you want to share that to get ladies female entrepreneurs and coaches um, connected with you in, in, in most definitely if you have uh, if you're on Facebook I have a free Facebook group called free spirit visionaries would love to have you there to support you in growing your coaching business or if you've been thinking about becoming a coach or if you are already a coach you've been coaching for a little while and looking for a more, more soul-led approach to getting to the heart of what your clients issues are then I would love to have you in the group and also have a program right now I'm in the June program of watch the magic happen that's the name of the program and then I've got another one that's starting in July so it's only 197 you're gonna absolutely love it we talk all about the three uh, frameworks that I talked about with the soul inspired goals with the free flow energy and going through the process are we training your brain? So I'm, I know you're going to love it. It's called Watch the Magic Happen. And you can look that up at watchthemagichappen.com. Thank you so much for having me here. It's been amazing. Thank you. Oh, gosh, I love talking to you. You make, you make thank you everyone for tuning in and catching Black Women's Stories Matter. Take care. I'm Bea Antico, Relationship Reset Mentor and founder of Essential Awakening Mentoring. Take care wherever you are.